Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as a community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Neighborhood Church. Good morning. Woo, woo. Welcome to Pride Month as a June 30th birthday. I would like to also say that this is my birthday month, so feel free to say hi and shoot messages to me. At one point in my life, I wasn't sure that I liked that my birthday was a part of the Pride Month. I was raised in a very conservative Lutheran church that had a lot of strong messaging around what it meant to be a woman, what it meant to be a man, and there was clearly no in-between on that spectrum. And so um, this Pride Sunday means a lot to me because as I grew up, I realized actually there was a place for me in that community that I had a lot of programming, a lot of messaging around. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So my name is Rebecca Rick. My pronouns are she, they. They have been my pronouns now for a number of years, maybe even before the fact uh, that you knew that that was an option. Um, So what that means for me is if you were to say, oh, she has lovely earrings on today, I would know you're talking about me. If you were to say, they seem like they've had a lot of coffee today, I would agree with you and say, yes, that also fits me. But if you were to say, he could probably use another donut, I would not know who you're talking about. So that's what it means for me and my pronouns. So, um, so I am here today as the associate pastor of this wonderful community. And this is not my only thing. Like many of us, we have a complexity to us, right? We have many hats that we wear. Perhaps we are spouses, we are parents, we have jobs. One of the jobs that I have is a sign language interpreter. And so I am the mouthpiece for people. Messages come in and out of me, and very infrequently am I ever in charge of my own message. As someone who grew up receiving messages, I find it interesting that I live and choose to be a professional in a place where oftentimes I have no voice. And any voice and agency I have in that situation is handed over to empower somebody else. As an interpreter, I go all over the place. And so one of the things that I have is I have the ability to have a lot of conversations with God in my car. It is a place of holy communion for me. And I love it. I can sit and have conversations. I can practice these little sermons and talks. I can try to remember the important parts of stories that I want to read to children downstairs. It is a place for me to connect to myself, to God, to my thoughts. And sometimes when I'm in the car driving and I'm realizing, what am I going to talk about for Pride Sunday? I know I have to call on more than just my God. So, a few weeks ago, 
I contacted my friend Joshua Maria Garcia. Joshua Maria Garcia lives out east. She and I connected on a little app called TikTok a few years ago and developed a real friendship where online we created an online community for people who felt a need to re-examine their spiritual beliefs. It was a place for us to deconstruct some of the programming that we had and sit and sit with ourselves and say, does this still fit me today? Do I look at a beautiful, artistic display like this? And am I so firm that this is historical documentation of an event that only happened less than 6,000 years ago? Is that where I'm at with my life? Or am I willing to consider something different? What does that mean to consider something different? So she and I had conversations about what to talk about. And she asked me, have you looked at the lectionary? Many of us grew up, maybe some of us, grew up in churches that had a lectionary. A lectionary is a standard, rote, cyclical reading through the word that takes us through the whole Bible, some through the Hebrew Bible, some through the Gospel, some through the New Testament. And it allows us to experience it in a way that returns to us year after year. While that never changes, we change who we are when we step into that moment of lectionary. That reading hits us differently every year because we are different every year. And lo and behold, the lectionary for this week is this story behind me. I love this first pain. I love this first pain, how the darkness brings forth the light. The holy darkness births out the whole spectrum of everything that we see in this beautiful light. The artist, if you want to read the depiction of, of what they did, talks about the circle being the image of God. That there is no beginning and no end. And I love that. So I totally poured myself into that. And I sat and I looked at it and I read through that. And I realized some of the programming that I had about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man. But I fell into a piece that was about language. And I loved that. See, the Hebrew Bible, the first letter in it is the letter bet. So most of us understand the first words of the Bible in the beginning. But if you look at the actual writings, there in the margins is an Aleph, which is the first letter of the Aleph bet. And it's a silent letter. So picture this with me. Here I'm looking for the start of something. And I'm realizing that language brings about 
life. If you talk to kids about language and life, may I remind us that names and pronouns reduce the suffering of children exponentially when we choose to address them how they choose to be addressed. I sat with this. The Aleph is a silent letter. That silent letter, writers and poets have talked about it. It is like this unlimitedness, this start of potential, of infinity. And if you just open your mouth, that is the sound that Olive makes. I, I thought, oh, that's good. I like that. I'm a language nerd. Maybe it won't hit everyone in the crowd, and that's totally fine. But I love that. I am going with this. This is the way I am going. And I called Joshua, and I said, oh, this is so good. Tell me. As a queer person, what does it mean to have silence, this unlimited, at the start, before anything else began? And she said, oh, oh, that, that's, that's actually not, that's not right. What? What do you mean that's not right? I don't, I don't, I, I'm confused. I have looked into this. People have told me this is what it means, right? And they said, no, actually, that's just, <laughs> that's actually the verse. Uh, see, if you look underneath it, there's two, three, four, five, six, but they don't ever number one with a one. They always number it with an olive. You're reading the verse mark. It's, it's a one. Here I had developed this whole theology about the unlimited potential of this beautiful start of language. And I was wrong. I had heard other people who had agreed with me. I, I, I thought I did the research on this. And I was wrong. It took someone who had lived experience as a person who had gone to rabbinical school to say, no, that's actually not how this goes. Maybe we come in here today with ideas, programming, messaging, that has served us well. It maybe even feels right. Maybe we have got this beautiful direction that we've been going in because that's what it was at one time for us. Do we have ears open and hearts open enough so that when somebody says, yeah, that's not how it is. Do we have enough courage to listen to them? Pause for dramatic paper flipping. When I grew up, I uh, 
had a mother who always fought against gender roles. I know she would never probably say that herself, but she was a tomboy, right? Like, that's a term that we use. I never had a mother that was depicted in movies or magazines or pictures. She was always different. She would have told me that there's a one way, but her life didn't ever show that to me. My grandmother was the most feminine person in my life, and she was very, very small. She drew her life and her love inward, and that was never who I was meant to be. When I was five years old, I remember telling someone that I wanted to be a part-time ballerina and a part-time race car driver because I did not want anyone to think that I was just a girl. At five, we have messaging. We have these ideas. And often, it takes something in our life to rattle us, to shake us, to make us stop and think about, does this serve me anymore? What messages have you been given? You can take yourself out of this and apply that to whatever you want. But if you were to sit with that today, what have you been told is holy, acceptable, good, when it comes to our design, sexuality, who we are as people, authenticity, what, what messaging have we received? Does it fit you anymore? In a little bit, I'm going to go through a practice. I'm going to ask you to think about some of those things. But before we do that, I want to say that your truest self is not a threat to this community. How you wrestle with your doubts and convictions is not only affirmed, but celebrated in these walls. And in my, my love to you today, I am letting you know that whether you wrestle with the thoughts of the divine, whether you're wrestling in a relationship or who you are as a person, I want to let you know that if ever I am a place where you feel vulnerable and safe, please, it would be such a blessing to come alongside you in that journey. And I know many other people here would as well. So, I would like for us to do something that's called a Sedona method together. Now, this Sedona method has four questions. So, it asks us to hold a message that we've been given. It asks us to feel the full weight of how that has influenced us in our lives. Then, it asks us if we would like to let go of that. 
and would we like to let go? Because that's different sometimes. And lastly, it asks, if not now, when? So, for the next couple minutes, I would like to, to connect or offer up this opportunity for you. Whether it is something in your life that you'd like to bring forth change, whether it is a relationship, whether it's something you need to let go of, whether it is your programming of what any of this means. I'm asking for you to witness and hold space for the people, the places, the ideas that have brought us here today. So, if you'd like to close your eyes, you can. I am just going to speak a couple words for each of the things. So. That didn't sound right. Excellent. That sounds good. <laughs> uh, that is the start. Uh, so, I'd like for us to take a moment and breathe. I'd like us to fill our lungs with the breath of life. I'd like for us to be thankful for that. Maybe we're holding the hand of someone we love next to us. Maybe our mind is elsewhere on other things. We hold space for that too. I'd like for us to envision something that's weighing on us. Perhaps a message about what it means to be us. The fences that have been built around us. And I'd like for us to sit and feel the full weight of the blessings and suffering that that brings us. Thank you. I'd like for us to visualize that being held in our hands and that we are taking that and maybe lifting it up into the air or laying it down at a cross. What image you hold is your design. But can you let that message slip from your hands? What does it look like? What does it feel like to step away from that?
would you, if invited to right now, would you let that message slip from you? If not now, when? What circumstances would have to be present that you would have what you need to let go of that message? What needs to happen so that you feel free to be your most authentic, beautiful, holy, woefully made, beautiful self? You are 14 billion years of happenstances and lucky accidents and first dates and shared sweaters and malts and all of this wonderful, wonderful, amazing, miraculous map of event after event after event after event that has led to you Can this moment, can this self-reflection, can examining who we are and checking in to say, are we being our most true, authentic self, can that be the next event in our evolution? If you've kept your eyes closed this whole time, invite you to join us back in the space. And in closing, we are going to be doing communion. Now communion itself may have some imagery for you. And I think we can hold space for that too. This last week or this last month, when we did Homegrown here in Duluth, anyone go to Homegrown? Yes, there was a beautiful reimagining of what mass looks like with apples and sourdough starter. And it was great. And with the sourdough starter that they handed out to everyone, they said, take this so that all will be fed. May we continue to become the people we are meant to be. May we have the courage to continue the pursuit of being our most authentic, beautiful self. And may we never be a stumbling block to those among us 
who are also on their own journey. Yes and amen. Thank you, Rebecca. Katie, can I put you on the spot? Behind you, there's more communion. You grab it and just hand it back because we have enough, for, I'm pretty sure we have enough body of Christ for everybody. So what kind of church would we be if we ran out? Yeah. Oh, the balcony people. Yeah, I'm sorry. The body of Christ is only on the main level, apparently. I didn't think, oh, he's not ascending. Sorry. Uh, when, um, hey, Rebecca, when we're all done, will you run some up when it's, when it's all done? All right, we take, there's so many different ways and expressions of doing communion. Um, I know from the Westminster people, the way we do communion might look a little bit different. And you're welcome to join us. If you, if you prefer to pass on the body of Christ, that is okay. There's no judgment here. Um, but the reason we do communion um, is because Jesus says, on the night before his betrayal, the night of his betrayal, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And the way we remember Christ can look infinite ways. We can do it out of tradition, which is beautiful, right? We can do it because that's what churches are just supposed to do, and I do it because, right? Like, and that, that works too. But for me, the, the way I like to think about it, especially in Pride Month, is that when you take communion, you're doing it emotionally, we're doing it intellectually, we're doing it spiritually, like we're connecting to something bigger than ourselves. But for me, where I've been after the last several years, is I do it physically. When I take the, the cracker, right, it has taste, very little taste. And, it's, and it is gluten-free, just for all of you gluten-free fans. Um, it has very little taste, and maybe you might even taste other people's fingers because we are all touching, all right? And so you're welcome for that visualization. Um, but that, that cracker still brings some sort of nourishment to your body that sustains, that gives you energy, that gives you sustenance. When you take the, 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 the grape juice, right? It's not wine. The grape juice, um, in the same way with the blood of Christ, it, it, that sugar spikes in you. It makes you come alive. It gives you a different kind of energy. It gets you moving. And to me, when I think about uh, of when Jesus sitting at the table with his friends saying, do this in remembrance of me, it's remind one another that Jesus just, the Christ narrative doesn't live just here. And this is where we so often live is up here. But we also embody it, right? And the way we embody Christ should look different from one another. And what a beautiful thing that the Christ can be embodied and bring inspiration and hope and vitality and sasu and resilience Right and brilliance that could look expressed infinite amount of ways. So today, as we oh, I didn't get any communion. Well, sorry, Jesus. <laughs> uh, um, like um, this is how we're going to do it. And so Jesus said, "We're going to take the cracker. You're going to take the cracker." And um, Jesus said, um, "This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me." Let you guys take the cracker. And then Jesus says, this is my blood that was spilled up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I will pray. So God, we absolutely love you. I thank you that the, the Christ narrative, the Christ inspiration, and the Christ consciousness is not 
just some storybook idea. It's not just some intellectual exercise. It's not just this personal relationship with you, but it's meant to be embodied. And it's meant to be public. That our theology is how we show up in a room. And I thank you that we can show up like you as a liberator, as an includer, as a healer, as a life of the party, to inspire other people to be their fullest selves as we too can celebrate being our fullest self. So we do this and we'll continue to do this in remembrance of you. Amen. Thank you, friends, for celebrating Pride with us today and have a great rest of your weekend.